I'm I'm at the stage where I will say yes to a plane flight if there is an activist reason to do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm still at the stage where I'm where I'm saying yes to a short flight to Melbourne from Adelaide to Melbourne and back for a for a music gig because it kind of keeps me sane and it's just mm-hmm. such a beautiful part of my life and I don't want to give that up. But yeah, I mean, I know people close to me, my sister, she has basically sworn off flying now. And when we went to visit my mum, we drove for three days to get there and another three to get back. So yeah, I I think it's tough. You know, I I don't judge people if if they go overseas to see family members that they haven't seen for many years or family members that are getting older and may not they may not have the chance to say goodbye, but I think we all have to think seriously about the carbon budget that we've got left. Welcome to Activist MNT a podcast about real-world economics, including modern money theory, and how life changes when you discover it. I'm your host, Jeff Epstein. Today I talk with Gabby Bond. In part two, we talk about MMT, Torrens University, climate change, and the job guarantee. In hour one, however, we talk all about music. To be clear, this first hour has little to do with economics. As you heard before the opening music, Gabby is a classically trained violist. Her accompanist and partner is a classically trained pianist. I'm a classically trained singer, and for the past year have been learning guitar. Gabby and I talk about various topics, such as how the guitar has frets and the viola doesn't, and the consequences that has on our approach to the instrument and the notes. We talk about the differences between perfect and relative pitch and how neither of us have the former. We also share some of our own experiences learning from and teaching others. Gabby ends by describing how and why she let much of her professional music career go in order to become an activist something which is greatly informed by MNT and ecological economics, which she learned thanks to meeting Stephen Hale and Phil Lawn. In the show notes, you'll find several links to the things we mention, plus some examples of our playing. Out of my almost 140 episodes, this is the third entirely or substantially dedicated to music. Links to the other two with Andy Berkeley and Derek Ross can be found in the show notes. Getting to know MMTers outside of MMT is important. It's basically an anthropological look at the background of MMT's adherence, which provides important context on the theory and the movement as a whole. I was inspired to do this by Fred Lee in his 2011 book, A History of Heterodox Economics. 
Next month in part two, Gabby and I transition to discuss MMT, Torrens University, climate change, and the job guarantee. Gabby is CEO of Modern Money Lab, which is the owner of the intellectual property, the academic content of the Torrens graduate program. She talks about her role in the program coming to life and in its day-to-day operations. And now, on to my conversation with Gabby Bond. Enjoy. remember exactly but um, I think it was 160 we'd have to fact check that but you know 160 plus days of lockdown where people could literally go no further than five kilometers from their house um, and you know leave the house once a day I think that would have been really really difficult for very for many 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 people and I'm not minimizing that at all um there is a tiny silver lining to that, which is that uh, some of us got to experience our neighbourhoods in a new way. We got to meet our neighbours. We got to support our local communities via kind of, you know, suburb uh, or street-based communities of care. And so we had a little glimpse of what that might be like and how that could perhaps um, be something beautiful and worthwhile. Um, yeah, we in Adelaide, we were only locked down for <laughs> hardly, we well, seven days, which which is nothing really. You were locked down for seven days total? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> well, we had a scare that turned out to be um, a false alarm. Okay. Yeah. Was there high rates of COVID and your no no at that point no it's much higher now like now is the highest it's ever been but people Mm -hmm. are acting as though uh there's no problem and I think a lot of things obviously has changed you know where I'm I am I've just got my fourth COVID jab booster jab um so we were able to walk into the chemist starting from this Monday um and get our number four booster so uh but you know, travel's gone back to normal. Most people not wearing masks. Um, they're so they're so yeah. sick of that because our leaders will not do what it takes, and they keep on teasing us with. We're so sick of having to deal with it. I, I mean, mm-hmm. it's like they won't lock down. They won't just do what it takes to get rid of it. Of like you know, lock down for five weeks, like truly lock down as close as possible, like as much China, as possible. Zero zero tolerance. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you know, have people, you know, obviously that requires shipping food to, to getting food to old people and whatever. I mean, but but still, you can lock down, like seriously lock down for a month or two and be mm-hmm. done with it as mm-hmm. much as possible. And then, you know, it will be really horrible and intense for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. But no, we're in our, we're growing, getting into our 20, 21, 20, we're getting into our third year yeah. Yeah. Of, of this yeah. And so people are just, they're, they're just sick of it. They're just sick of it. Not that they're, it's because 
we're not doing what it takes and we keep on doing half measures yeah. and people are just sick of it. And so instead of saying, you know, I'm sick of this and I'm willing to take the risk, they instead, I guess, rationalize that with it's over or, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I don't know, something, something like that. I feel like as a society and, and our leaders for sure have kind of made the decision that business as usual is going to go on and we have to, what do they say in, in inverted commas, live with this virus. And, um, you know, there, there are people out there who have said, no, I'm not going to be part of that. I am not leaving my house without a proper respirator mask and I'm going to change my entire life, uh, upend my entire life and my the way I exist in the world um and i'm not going to be part of this kind of (laughs) germ infested community um and that's a decision people make and yeah i certainly there's there's a logic to that um i very much feel like my role as an activist does necessitate being part of the wider world. So, for example, uh, I'm part of Extinction Rebellion, which is a global movement of nonviolent civil disobedience, uh, calling for climate action. And so, the the three demands are: act now, um, tell the truth. So, for the media and politicians to tell us the truth about the extinction crisis, act now, do something about it and change uh, politics via enabling people to participate in a more meaningful way through citizens' assemblies. So I'm part of this worldwide group and I've been part of uh, demonstrations and actions where we have blocked roads. My sister is a much more, um, she's willing to go further than I am at the moment. So she's been arrested twice as part of Scientist Rebellion. She's an ecologist. But doing those type of actions requires you to be physically there in in proximity with other people and have that kind of face-to-face solidarity you know you can't do that over zoom no one's going to listen to you protesting over zoom if you know Uh, what i mean yeah it's a good point so and and obviously a small part of that is is a little bit of a risk with covid yeah so that's that's something that i've thought about and um I think if it's a if it's a uh, you know if it's a rationalization between COVID and climate change, it's climate change that is the one that I'm going to put my energy into fighting. You know, you you kind of you you know your whole I stopped being a musician and started being an activist. I know that's rough, that, mm. but, but roughly speaking, because we want a world in which we can play music. Yeah. You said I it, mean, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, roughly speaking, that's kind of why uh, MMT and whatever it's like, I mean, I really enjoy it, mm. but I want a stable world in which I can play music and my kids can feel safe and whatever. Yeah. And, and like, yeah. if we had that safe world, then I wonder, I wonder what, you know, I probably would be doing a lot more music and family and whatever. And so, I mean, yeah. because, because, you know, hopefully our leaders would be into MMT and whatever, but. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's an interesting thought experiment. I, I, yeah. What, what would we do if we didn't have to do this? 
Yeah. Good question. I'd like to. Yeah. I'd like to um, grow my own food. I'd like to <laughs> get into visual arts. Yeah, I'd, I love drawing and and sketching and things like that too. Um, uh, as a hobby, you know, I'm not very good at it. But, me too, um, me too. Oh well. <laughs> Um, I, I love reading. I love um, being in nature. I think I could just have a job at a cafe, you know. I, I'd be totally happy with that. I could have a job in a job guarantee, you know, looking after native vegetation and pulling out weeds. I'd be so happy to do that. Yeah. And Ca- not have to worry. Uh, caring, caring economy, job guarantee. Mm-hmm. We'll get more into that. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so if you, if you want to say anything, you know, to close out climate change, do – and let's get into times. Um, I think I think if if anybody's listening and wondering what they can do about it, find a group and join it. Find find a group of people who are doing something that's close to what you think is the right thing to do and join them. It doesn't have to be perfect. If you really can't find a group that's doing it, start one of your own. But it's much easier to to join with other people. Um, uh, you know, devote some time to to activism. It'll make you feel good. Activism is not uh, not something that kind of wears you down and grinds you down. Well, obviously it can be. It, ultimately, it's something that lifts you up and makes you feel hopeful and part of a bigger, um, more generous future. So don't wait. Just do it. That's my advice. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, so I'd like to get into Torrens. I just mm. did an entire, I just did a recent, very recent, I mean, two episodes ago, I just did uh, an entire interview with Stephen yes. on Stephen Hale on how Torrens was created and the curriculum and so on. So we, we obviously talked a lot about it. Excellent. Yeah. But you're obviously a big part of it as well. So I'd like to, I'd like to moderately briefly talk about your role in Torrens and your perspective of it and Modern mm-hmm. Money Lab, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And, and in two days, as we record this, is the official launch of, That's right. yep. of the Torrens program. And so mm. I'm sure I'll see you on the Zoom there. And right. Stephen, I believe today or yesterday, announced that the program just became accredited, which yes. is cool. Yep. So we passed the so, final accreditation meeting. Yep. Great. Um, so, yeah. So why don't you, why don't you, you know, your perspective of this program and Modern Money Labs and your and your role yourself in yeah, this program. Please. For sure. Well, I think it, I don't know how much Stephen talked about this, but it, it definitely goes back to uh, uh, January 2020 when we ran this conference in Adelaide, uh, mm-hmm. which was called the Sustainable Prosperity Conference. And the title of that conference comes from Stephen's book, um, Economics for Sustainable Prosperity, which you can mm-hmm. find online. Um, and that uh, experience of that, I guess it's fair to say that Stephen and I did the the kind of lion's share of the work to get that conference uh, happening. Uh, we found that um, our skills and talents kind of complement each other in a really uh, good and useful way. Stephen's obviously like the the master of the content and the 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 message and the mission. And I build the scaffolding that enables that to be um, to be successful. Mm. So my my role in this is very much, um, you know, 
well, how do you put on a conference for 400 people for three days? <laughs> you know, what, do you, what, are, what are the steps? <laughs> you know? Oh, I didn't realize your role in the conference. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, it, you know, uh, obviously uh, um, that's not my, it's not my it, events management is something that I do a lot of. It's not my sort of, uh, <laughs> it's not on my business card. Maybe it should be. Um <laughs> But it's those two things that go together. You know, the the stuff that I do would mean nothing without Stephen and some of our other brilliant um, colleagues. Um, and the stuff that Stephen does wouldn't get very far if it wasn't for having that kind of um, support and, and backup that I can provide by doing stuff like um, figuring out how to build a website and set up um, <laughs> analytics and and do uh, you know <laughs> do a proper ticket sales um, uh, infrastructure and things like that and look mm. after people and and do the publicity side although Stephen's actually very good at that himself um, start a start a YouTube channel from scratch you know those sort of things. Mm. Yeah, and so, Modern Money Lab existed before this was an idea, or did, or was Modern Money Lab? No, Modern like, Money Lab was started in order because, for us oh. to have an entity to enable a partnership with Torrens University. So oh, okay. Modern Money Lab is a registered charity in Australia, um, and it's it's I guess its purpose is to be. Uh, a kind of what you might call a think tank, a progressive MMT think tank, um, which uh, which will grow. It'll kind of grow into that role much more, I think, as we go forward. But so it's a uh, incorporated association which gives a kind of the legal right to to enter partnerships and to to undertake some of this work that we're doing you know, hire staff, um, sign contracts with people, that sort of thing. So that's and, what Modern Money Lab is, yeah. And he said that you guys own the content of yes, yes, we do. the program. Yep. And, and what benefit does that give you or what, what use will you have beyond for that information beyond the That means if, if another university somewhere in the world likes what we're doing and wants to copy us, they could come to us and ask, can we use your course material? And we can make a decision about that based on, you know, what, what the circumstances are at the time. It means that wow. we can, that, you know, this material could um, could be taken elsewhere. It could be used in different ways. And we have control over that. Wow, that's really interesting. So you're the entity that's going to be spreading this around the world. <laughs> well, right? world domination. I mean, <laughs> yeah. No, well, you're really, you're, you're the entity that, other universities that want to do this are going to yes. go to, and you're going to be managing. Yep. That's wow. Okay. So I don't know. I don't know uh, if there's any, what else you can say regarding Torrens and your role in modern money lab and, and anything else you think regarding that. Oh, well, I can say that um, if you're listening to this podcast after the 16th, 17th of July, then enrollments are, um, well, touch wood, are actually open and you can go to the Torrens website and you can read about our courses and you can actually, if, you're, if you want to study modern monetary theory and ecological economics and make a difference as part of a new generation of trained economists, um, you can actually enrol right now. So 
please go to our website, read read about it and uh, think if this is something that you want to do, our door is always open for a chat as well and you can contact us. I might just say our email address, which is the simplest way, info at modernmoneylab, or one word, dot org dot au and be in touch and we'd love to have a chat with you. Cool. Um, well, you know I'm ready. That was the ad. <laughs> yeah, no, you know I'm, <laughs> I'm excited about this. Um, yeah, great. Okay, so uh, why don't you briefly, let, what, let's, so let's move on. We can talk about your, your job guarantee paper and just kind yeah. of MNT in general. And, yeah. and why don't we start by, I know, you know, you kind of briefly touched on it, but, but why don't you say briefly your, your thinking before MNT and how you discovered it and how it changed you? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I never, I guess the pre meeting Stephen and Phil Lawn, um, I didn't think much about economics at all. If, if, if anything, I thought, oh, it's not very interesting. It's a bit right wing. It's not something that, um, is high on my list of priorities. Um, you know, when, when I'd hear about it, interest rates and, and, you know, sort of the stock market and that sort of thing on the radio, I'd usually switch it off or just tune out. It did not interest me in the slightest. Um, what kind of turned me on to economics, uh, that, that economics isn't all about, uh, just, you know, rich people making more money is, <laughs> is a campaign that I was part of when I worked at GetUp, which I mentioned earlier. Uh, and that campaign was called Future to Fight For, and it had five, um, uh, it, well, actually, might might have been more than five, but it had it had a number of pillars which were part of it, and one was a job guarantee. Uh, there was other things like universal free education, um, healthcare, a people's bank, an idea for um, that everyone should get an allowance of renewable energy, and a whole bunch of other things that were that kind of really fitted with the name of that campaign future to fight for. And that really inspired me to think beyond, um, you know, acting on climate change is one thing, but we also have to work to create the kind of society that where, where people can prosper at the same time as living within our planetary boundaries. And so there's so much to think, to think about that there. And also so much good stuff is, is actually happening if you, if you look for it. Mm. Um, so MMT was part of Future to Fight For. It was um, there was a, a section at the end of it, which is how do we pay for this? And it it kind of explained that finding the money is finding the dollars is not the problem here. And so that that was pretty enlightening. But I can't remember whether it was about the same time or maybe uh, a little bit earlier than that. It still hadn't quite sunk in. Like I think people have to hear this a few times to make sense of it and to actually displace the budget, the government as a household myth. So you do have to hear that message a few times, but or most people do before it kind of sinks in and displaces what you've been taught and what your parents kind of reinforce to you, what you hear in the media constantly. And I can remember this, uh, we were at a, a cafe 
late one night and Phil and Stephen were trying to explain MMT to me and Phil in particular was getting rather excited about it and banging on the table and making a scene. (laughs) And he kept asking me, okay, where does the money come from? Well, Uh, it comes from my employer. Where do they get it? Um, I don't know, from donors. Where do they get it from? Uh, Well, (laughs) and just going round and round and round. And then what I think what really, really made it sink in for me is understanding that um, that governments use currency as a means to, I guess, control the population, not, not in a conspiracy theory type way, but to create a demand for the currency they tax people, right? And... That made so much sense. It's it's like, and also learning that money itself didn't didn't. There's no evidence that it evolved as a kind of more efficient way of bartering, exchanging one one you know spears for um, clothing or something like that. It actually started as a kind of top down uh, system, which. When you look at how society is structured, it just makes so much more sense that it is that way. Mm-hmm. Well, roughly what um, year are you talking about that you had this conversation with Phil and Steve? Oh, this would be probably before the conference, so maybe 2018, 19. Oh, so yeah. you, oh, okay. So we're just about the same time. I discovered it yeah. in February of 2018. Yeah, right. How did you discover MMT? I was, I, like you, I, I was, um, I never registered or cared about politics or economics, really. Like, it mm. just wasn't for me. It just didn't apply mm. to me. It, mm. was, it wasn't for me. I, you know, and so I never really paid attention. So I was kind of a blank slate. And yeah. I was very active in the Bernie campaign, which was the first thing political that I became involved with. And then, yeah. um, I, was, I mean, I was a delegate for him at the, at the National Convention. I was extremely active in 2016. Yeah, wow. And 2020, if it happened, I would have been a delegate yeah. there too. Mm. Um, and, you know, so he says, we should have all these things. And mm-hmm. so why don't we have them then? If it's so obvious, why don't we have these things? Yeah. And two years later, 2018, Jeff Ginter, yeah. um, he uh, he's a, he lives local. He's about an hour and fifteen away from me. He's okay, a great guy, yeah. I'm a great friend. And we were talking about some local politics stuff. And he just said, "You need to understand how the economy works." And he lectured me on a private phone call for like two hours. Okay. And uh, February second, I believe, two thousand eighteen. Yeah. And um, it just I could tell that it was really important. Although I couldn't I couldn't put it all together. I could sense that these pieces were very important. And that was that. Yeah. Um, that was, I mean, just that one phone call kind of just like, I just completely switched what I, what I do. Um, so that's wow. how I got into it. Wow. Did it keep you up at night? <laughs> no, it didn't keep me up at night. It gave me something to be excited to get up in the yeah. morning. About. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's good. It's, it, it's made me a lot less angry. I think I, you know, there's, there's always, yeah, there's that kind of, um, there's that subtle push to get angry about 
government waste and that is used from the left and the right, right? You know, oh, such and such wasted all this much money on paying out this contract that never came off and and pre-MMT, I used to be really upset about this because that that money going to waste meant that other things couldn't happen. But now I understand that actually the dollars is not the problem. <laughs> and if obviously government waste is is terrible and shouldn't happen, but it's not a zero-sum game, right? And so we're in, in Adelaide we've had this kind of um, political uh, stuff up basically where we ordered a bunch of submarines from France and then we changed our minds about what type of submarines we, we wanted and then we ended up ordering them from the UK and we have to pay the French government something like $63 billion to get out of the contract. I'm making this up. I don't know the facts, but, you know, it's, it's extraordinary <laughs> sum of money. And before I would have thought, well, that $63 billion is now something that we can't use to um, to to build a hospital or, or to, mm. you know. Who are we going to take it from? Who are we going to take it yeah. from? So now what do you, you, now that you know MMT, now what do you think of that we've spent, that they paid $60 billion to France? Well, <laughs> I'm still, you know, pretty appalled that that kind of stuff up would happen in the first place, even that we'd be spending money on submarines in the first place is, is ridiculous. But, mm. um, but it's, it's, it's a lot less heartbreaking and, and anger inducing now i think it, it's yeah. it's i mean you give them 60 billion australian dollars and so they're going to be spending that on us on australian things i mean you know obviously a lot of financial products but on australian stuff so they basically just sent out money that's going to be spent in the australian economy so potentially that could be a good thing i would think <laughs> maybe right <laughs> Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, I mean, not, not, not to, I mean, it was stupid of them. I mean, everything that you said, I agree with, yeah. it was dumb, but from yeah. an MMT point of view, they sent out a lot of money that what else is it going to be used for? It's going to be used in the Australian economy. What else could it possibly be used for? It's going mm. to be used to manage, manage other currencies mm. and to spend money in the Australian economy. I mean, yeah. obviously it's going to, they're going to purchase stuff. So. Yeah, um, <laughs> really, just like ones and zeros in a bank account, right? Right. right. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. So, uh, if there's anything else you'd like to say about that, that maybe we could um, please do, and then why don't we move on to your job guarantee uh, report? Yeah, let's okay? let's talk about the job guarantee. I'd love to do that. Okay. All right. So you wrote a a, a very snappy looking. Uh, or you were involved. You were involved with uh, a, uh, yes, a report um, regarding the job guarantee, and it's not just a it's not just a paper. It's like a really slick looking twenty five page thing. Um, it's it's uh, you know it's it's I guess not just intended for academics. Um, so why don't why no, don't you describe? No. Yeah. So it's, why don't you describe? Yeah, please. Uh, no, it's it's a kind of um, it's it's not really intended for academics although it is kind of 
there is substance to it, like you said. And thank you very much for those lovely comments about it. Um, I didn't write it. Um, one of our core group of volunteers in our action group, the Sustainable Prosperity Action Group, um, wrote it. Her name's uh, Dr. Tori Wade. Um, she's a retired a GP and, and medical researcher. Very, very incredibly smart and wonderful lady, good friend. She's also a visual artist and a singer. She's taken up singing, has has lessons, and yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, she's amazing, and you, she she came on Modern Money Donuts once, so you can listen right. to her and meet her on 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 that podcast if you are interested. Um, she, uh, yeah, she's been part of uh, a core group of like two or three or four uh, volunteers who who I knew previously from Get Up and who came with with us, with Stephen and I, to kind of uh, to form this new group, the Sustainable Prosperity Action Group, which is all about MMT and uh, progressive, uh, well, climate, climate action is our main focus and uh, inequality and unemployment, those issues. So... Yeah, so Tori's amazing. We we catch up every Thursday afternoon. In fact, I'll see her this afternoon. Um, and she's now working on, on edition two of that report, which oh. will incorporate a whole lot more material. So a lot of that material from the report has come from sessions that we've run uh, where it, it's a bit like the Citizens' Assembly idea, so the participatory democracy-type sessions where we... Um, where we invite people to come, people with lived experience of being unemployed, people with a lot of uh, experience in in many different fields, which all kind of feeds into having a good uh, and solid grounding in what we're trying to talk about. So with the job guarantee, um, we have a lot of very experienced people and a lot of and some people who have, who've not come across the idea of a job guarantee before or and we have people who are you know dead keen on the universal basic income idea and and actually think the job guarantee is not such a great idea uh, so we have all those views sort of coming together and we synthesize people's contributions and that's how we came up with that first version of the report in fact the the kind of the motivation to get that edition done was because we had a whole weekend on on a job guarantee in April uh, this year, and we had twenty different workshops with twenty different questions uh, and facilitated workshops over the course of two days, and all of that material right now is being incorporated into edition two of the report, and we've got another deadline for edition two, which is our Australian federal government. Uh, we recently had an election and uh, the election was won by the Labor Party uh, and the Labor Party have promised to, within 100 days of being elected, hold a, a summit on uh, full employment. And we are, are really keen to get an invitation to that summit to be part of it. Uh, if we don't, because we're a bit of a ragtag uh, bunch of um uh, what do you, what do you call rascals and um, disruptors? We might not be invited into the room, <laughs> but we some of us are, are keen enough to go anyway, and you know try and try and 
have a bit of a presence outside the conference and and talk to people about the job guarantee because I think the the Labor Party's idea of full employment in inverted commas is they still think that uh, a certain number of people have to be unemployed for the good of the economy. It's that kind of philosophy. And although there are really good people in the Labor Party who know that that this is actually not true, like our good friend Lachlan McCall, um, still there's this kind of thinking that unemployment means 3% unemployment or 4% unemployment or 5% unemployment and that that's acceptable. Mm-hmm. It's not acceptable. We don't have mm-hmm. to have anybody involuntarily unemployed. Okay. And that's the argument that we're trying to make. Okay. Uh, I, I, am I correct? I believe, as far as I could tell, it's it's and it's completely an MMT compatible report. Yeah, right? yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, all of yeah. the well, uh, I say all uh, the the Sustainable Prosperity Action Group is an MMT activist action group. No, well, there you go. Okay. So, yeah. Um, why don't we? Uh, I'd like to focus, but a little bit on. The, the the cynicism about the job guarantee you, you briefly mentioned that mm, and sure. and um, I don't want to get really into UBI but uh, yep. I find that the cynicism about the job guarantee is unbearably cynical yep. basically that's what it boils down to like that basically they're so cynical of the, the human potential that mm. they don't even want to try and just give me the damn money as mm. if as if as if human beings can't screw up giving people money, you yeah. know, like as if that can't go wrong because there's no anchor to the real world with the, with just a check. There's no anchor to the real world and job yeah. guarantees are obviously anchored to the real world. So there's less of a chance of it going kablooey, you know, at, yeah. at high speed. Yeah. Um, so it's like the idea of, you know, the cynicism is basically switches it to be, the job guarantee is intended to be an alternative to those who are being exploited. Yeah. And it, but it is switched around by cynics. To be that, framed as something exploitative. To be exploitative. Yeah. That the job guarantee is exploitative. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I just want to, I'll, I'll just leave it there. And I, I wonder how you kind of respond to that kind of. Criticism. Yeah. Okay. So in Australia, um, uh, people who are unemployed, are, uh, many of them are subjected to what, what is called work for the dole, which is where um, you, you're forced into doing some kind of bullshit job in return for your unemployment benefits, which, by the way, is about half of what is defined as the poverty line in Australia. Mm-hmm. So it's like basically starvation wages. Um but I think to me the thing that really resonates with me about the job guarantee is it's not even about the participants and what they get out of it. It's about the work that needs doing. Genuine, uh, There's a genuine need for work to be done in areas that are not going to make a profit for anyone, like mm-hmm. caring for people, like restoring mm-hmm. nature, and those those two big areas, like climate action, you know, like heat heat proof and drought proof our cities, like make our cities into into a refuge from climate impacts, um, mm. as 
a very inspiring Australian ex-senator Scott Ludlam talked about in when he talks about green cities. You know, so so there's so much that can be done and so much that benefits everybody. Uh, and I think it's wrong to say that people don't want to work. Almost everybody actually does want to have uh, want to make a con- contribution. M- having said that, though, we the job guarantee that we're promoting is not the same as uh, a job guarantee that that would be all or nothing. So, you know, either do it or don't get any money at all. We believe that it should be backed up by a basic income guarantee. So not a universal basic income. That's the universal mm-hmm. bit is the the bit that that creates uh, a whole different kettle of fish, so to speak. But a basic income guarantee would allow people who really genuinely didn't want to take part to opt out of the job guarantee. But if you opted mm-hmm. in, you'd get, you know, probably roughly twice the amount of payment. So there's a strong incentive to do that. Plus you'd be contributing and doing work that needs to be done. Right. So I, I can't imagine that 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 there would be very many people at all who would choose not to be part of it. But I do think choice is important. And for the sake of the people who do choose to be part of it, you know, you want to be with other people who also choose to be there. You don't want to be with people who uh, maybe are disruptive or not engaged or just uh, making life difficult for everyone else, if you know what I mean. Sure. That's the kind of job guarantee that we that we are promoting. Right. Well, they choose to be there. Yeah. yeah. They choose to take that position. Mm-hmm. Um, what what this actually makes me think of is going back to being in an orchestra. Yeah. Why couldn't being in an orchestra be a job guarantee job? It that, totally could. Absolutely. Why not? And and yeah. and it also brings back. It also it makes me think of collectivism and cooperation mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. hope. And you know, working together, and um, uh, you brought uh, you brought up about you know allowing people to choose not to be in the program, and mm-hmm. obviously they would get somewhat less. Yeah, they have to get something less than the job yep. guarantee wage. That's, yeah, and for sure. And I think, and I think that cynics and critics of the job guarantee, like even you know, even if you allowed me to not in the job even if you gave me a check if you allowed me to have a check it would be unfair to them to it would be basically they would kind of i think they would say well then if you don't give me a full check the you know a true living wage then it's then it's worker star and i think that that's kind of the seed of the ir- irreconcilable difference that we're going to mm-hmm. be facing of mm-hmm. you know we we can't give an equal if someone's going to do work we're going to pay them for that production and the person who's just getting a check is going to benefit from that production, That's you know, right. and they're still going to get, and they're still going to get the benefits and whatever of the job guarantees, the, 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 like not the, uh, you know, the actual benefits of it, like the healthcare and childcare and whatever else there is. Mm-hmm. So, but I think, I think I've been thinking about, should we allow people to not be in the job guarantee? Like I've seen Bill Mitchell mention that the UBI is bad because it undermines the anchor of the mm-hmm. job guarantee wage. Yeah. It undermines the price anchor. And mm-hmm. so how do you allow people to not take to not work if it's going to undermine the anchor? And I think I think I 
after actually reading your paper, I think it's kind of pushed me over into the edge of that we should allow people to not be part of the job guarantee program and to give them a check. And yes, it has to be something lower than the job guarantee wage. But I think it actually would create social pressure. I think there would be social pressure for these people to be part of the job guarantee because yeah. they're going to benefit. They're going to yeah. benefit from everybody's hard work without having to do anything and they're still getting a check. And I think that if we, if we make the legislation allow them to legally not be part of the program, I think that that's the right decision because number one, it gives them what they want, setting aside mm -hmm. that, that it's less money than mm -hmm. maybe they want. Yeah. But that it would create a social pressure for them to become part of the job guarantee program. So I wonder what you think about that. Well, it, it becomes much harder for, for people to label the job guarantee as work for the doll or bullshit jobs or, you know, all, all of these labels that, that, that are part that our critics would, would throw at us, right? Yeah. Um, I think actually if you looked at, if you actually did put that, that system in place, very few people would opt out. That's a, that's a start. Um, and of course, you know, you have, there's all sorts of sensitive sensitivities about, you know, some people might not be physically capable of working, you know, that many hours, or they might only just want to work one day a week, that might be enough for people. Um, so there's, there's got to be choices and options. And that's, that's how you get, that's how you get people to feel like they have a place in this system. But yeah, like you said, um, the the work that's being done has to be meaningful and it has to be work that takes people as it finds them, right? So mm -hmm. it has to be work that is not currently being done by people who are perhaps part of public service and being part, being paid a wage higher than minimum wage because this the job guarantee wage would by default become the minimum wage. Sure. Uh, and the other great benefit is that, um, and this is something that I absolutely think is is so necessary is that all the jobs right now that you see people having to do because they have no choice that are unsafe like let's say food delivery or you know there was this terrible story here in Adelaide of a young person working in one of those tea shops and being paid ten dollars an hour which is like half of what's legally required and then when when you know asking what you know why can't why can't I be paid properly? She was beaten up on camera. Right. You know right. these <laughs> these jobs that people are forced into out of desperation uh, would suddenly no longer be people's people wouldn't have to do these jobs anymore. So all the businesses that are currently profiting from wage theft and exploitation would suddenly have to lift their game. And I think that is one of the most brilliant and transformative things that would happen out of this. Yeah, even the military. I mean, the military would be a huge thing. I just, we, there was an op-ed in, uh, what was it, the Wall Street Journal of, I worry about forgiving, you know, I, obviously this applies to only the United States. I yeah. worry about canceling student debt because would we have enough volunteers for the army? <laughs> Who will go and get themselves killed so yeah. that they don't have to starve. That's, yeah. that's the dystopia I, I, that we live in, right? Yeah. Right. 
Um, yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's, uh, yeah, I think this paper has pushed me over into the edge of, of allow them to, to not participate because they're going to end up participating. It will make, give them the freedom to not, but I think it will almost everybody will. Of course, there'll be yeah, a very everyone that's person. capable of doing it. Obviously, you know, I mean, we're not talking about people who can't um, yeah. for, for disability or whatever. That's different. Look, honestly, there are going to be a small, small amount of people who just want to stay home and um, watch TV and, you know, get high, whatever. Um, but that number of people is so small and even if you even if you were among that that number of people you wouldn't want to be that forever you know maybe maybe you get bored after a year and you decide actually no I do want to learn some some new skills or I do want to be part of this program that's happening in my local neighborhood it it you just having the choice is the most important uh yeah and and if that if that person stays home and you know they just want to be hedonistic and stay home and have their check and whatever. They still mm. need to be fed. They still need to, you know, people are going to see them. And and mm. again, there there I think will be rather strong social pressure to yeah. to start yeah, helping out. Um, yep. I, and I think that yeah. Um, there you go. We've solved. We basically solved the problem of unemployment. It's not that difficult. We're in Australia. Um, you know, we we like to. I've heard Stephen say this in meetings with union with union officials. Um, you know, worried about the fact that a job guarantee could end up being a bad thing if it's badly run, or or if it's allowed to become corrupt, or things like that. People have these fears around it that it will take away jobs from volunteers and it will disrupt the current, you know, the way volunteers are part of the community. And a response that I've heard Stephen give is, well, it, you're, you're saying it's by definition it's going to be badly run and, and not be effective. Um, I think you're kind of throwing the baby out with the bathwater there because we have, we have a school system that is a, a public school system and it is a good school system and it's well run by and large and it works. We have a public hospital system, public health system here in Australia. It's not perfect, but by and large, it works. And it and the people that run it are almost always in it for the right reasons. And so, the same. Why 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 are we kind of uh, giving up on the fact that a job guarantee could could be the same? You know, it as as if a check couldn't be subject to corruption mm. as if as if anything i mean obviously everything is subject to yeah. corruption everything yeah. anything that humans do is subject to corruption yeah and and it doesn't have to be perfect it has mm. to be better like warren mosler yeah. says you don't i don't have to run faster than the bear i have to run faster than you <laughs> classic it's it just has to be better than what we have now and yeah. clearly we can do better than what we have now. And we yeah, can. of course. We can definitely do better. Yep. And of course, like libraries, mm. you know, there's not too much corruption in libraries. People aren't too mm. unhappy with how libraries perform mm. and, you know, schools and, and it, clearly there are services that run reasonably well. I mean, military, the military yep. no one complains about the military, you know, mm -hmm. so anyway. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, well, India has a job, job guarantee with, 
I think it's 130 million people in it. Australia only mm. has a population of 26 million. I mean, come on. Oh, wow. We can do it. Wow. Okay. Um, I, we're, we're pretty close to two hours. So why, why don't I say, why don't I give you the opportunity? Is there anything else regarding the job guarantee or any of these other subjects that you would like to say before we close out? Um, I can't think of anything, actually. I think we've covered most of the things that are really close to my heart. And I've absolutely loved chatting with you, Jeff. It's a pity I can't see you on, on the screen, but um, that's okay. <laughs> uh, I, I, got, I, got to, uh, I got to watch your videos, which were greatly enjoyable. Um, so thank you very much for sending those. And yeah, I'm really, really excited about our uh, online launch of our um, of our courses with Modern Money Lab and Torrens University. Um, it's basically taken over my life this week, um, and well, yeah, so. basically since <laughs> since we started, but especially this week. And yeah, I, I'm just really thrilled with how it's going, uh, and Torrens as staff and have been incredibly, incredibly supportive and all of our potential students who are very excited about the fact that we can actually start this in September. We've had so many lovely messages and I really feel like I've, I've completely made the right decision about what to devote my time to and, um, yeah, and just want to say, to that our our teaching staff, Stephen, Phil, Dirk, Sonada, uh, Scott, all, all of these amazingly talented people um, are really, really looking forward to meeting our wonderful students and we're going to create something amazing. Well, that's great. I wonder, has the estimate of how many students you're expecting to start in September, has that been updated? It's really hard to say, Jeff. Um, we have, I can tell you, we have um, nearly 200 expressions of interest. Uh, obviously, not everybody's going to sort of, you know, sign on the dotted line from that. And not everybody will start in the very first intake. Some people will be um, needing to wait uh, till beginning of next year or maybe even later. But it's still really, really promising. And as far as people coming to the launch, we have uh, over 100 RSVPs, um, obviously wow. with Zoom events, not everybody exactly will show up. Uh, there's often quite like I'm expecting um, quite a few people to just RSVP but maybe need to watch the replay later uh, if they can't make it to the live event, which, which I've got to say is not ideal timing for those in Europe. Um, it's in the middle of the night and apologies yeah. for that. We we timed our launch so that we could have uh, Stephanie Kelton join us live, which is very exciting, and also th so that it would be the weekend in Australia so so that it would suit because um, about half of our students are Australians, as you might expect, because that's where we, we know um, many, many people. And so we timed it to be a Saturday morning for Australian time so that those people could join um, but yeah, if you miss it, please do watch the replay. And as I said before, get in touch. We'd love to talk to you. Well, thank you for what the part that you, you know, the role that you've played, because I am really excited. And, and to be honest, I spent a lot of energy applying to the Levy Summer Session. I created yeah. a resume, I created a letter, yeah. I got a recommendation. So yeah. 
you know, I'm, I'm kind of excited to be able to use much of that to, yeah. to apply to you guys. So, um, yeah, so uh, I look forward to seeing you, you know, at a distance <laughs> on Friday night. Yep. You'll be able to click that button and apply now. <laughs> I should just say uh, for a non-Australian students, the application process might be a little more old school. You might need to, um, you know, print out a document and sign it and scan it and send it back, something like that. We'll see. Um, Australian students, that should be pretty seamless. You can do everything online. But we will help people every step of the way. Um, yeah, no, just ask if you um, unsure of anything, just ask. That's great. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah, no, it's been, it's been great talking with you for the first time and I'm very, I'm sure, I'm sure that I will be somewhat in touch because of hopefully meet the Torrens and, and yeah. uh, you know, just sure. thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you Jeff. It's been fun. Terrific. Well, thank, thank you for indulging with the music and, uh, Oh, um, no, no, yeah. I loved it. Loved it. For this show is by Rectech. You can find Rectech on SoundCloud and Spotify at W-R-E-C-K underscore T-E-C-H. To record Activist MMT, I use the iOS phone app Tape a Call Plus for recording phone calls and Zencaster for internet-based recordings. My post-production workflow starts by editing on the iOS app AnyTune Pro Plus then transferring those timestamps to my Windows desktop. At that point, I crudely process the audio in Audacity and then implement the edits and do all of the final processing in the Reaper digital audio workstation. Activist MMT is hosted by Libsyn and the video teasers are created with the online Headliner app. Today I talk with Gabby Bond. 
In part two, we talk about MMT, Torrens University, climate change, and the job guarantee. In hour one, however, we talk all about music. To be clear, this first hour has little to do with economics. As you heard before the opening music, Gabby is a classically trained violist. Her accompanist and partner is a classically trained pianist. I'm a classically trained singer and for the past year have been learning guitar. Gabby and I talk about various topics, such as how the guitar has frets and the viola doesn't, and the consequences that has on our approach to the instrument and the notes. We talk about the differences between perfect and relative pitch and how neither of us have the former. We also share some of our own experiences learning from and teaching others. Gabby ends by describing how and why she let much of her professional music career go in order to become an activist, something which is greatly informed by MMT and ecological economics, which she learned thanks to meeting Stephen Hale and Phil Lawn. In the show notes, you'll find several links to the things we mention, plus some examples of our playing. Out of my almost 140 episodes, this is the third entirely or substantially dedicated to music. Links to the other two with Andy Berkeley and Derek Ross can be found in the show notes. Getting to know MMTers outside of MMT is important. It's basically an anthropological look at the background of MMT's adherence, which provides important context on the theory and the movement as a whole. I was inspired to do this by Fred Lee in his 2011 book, A History of Heterodox Economics. Next month in part two, Gabby and I transition to discuss MMT, Torrens University, climate change, and the job guarantee. Gabby is CEO of Modern Money Lab, which is the owner of the intellectual property, the academic content of the Torrens graduate program. She talks about her role in the program coming to life and in its day-to-day -day operations. And now, on to my conversation with Gabby Bond. Enjoy. Enjoy.